0: Hello everybody, hello masters of your own destiny. What's going on? Oh my god, tell me if I'm happy. I'm very happy. The reason why is because this is the first episode of season six. I don't know how we got to season six. I do know. I mean, with hard work and care and love, but I cannot believe we are actually kicking season six and especially with this very special guest that we have today which is the film director for the movie simon diego vicentini is with us so yes i'm of course i'm happy and i'm happy that you are tuning in and listen to our podcast i want to remind you that you can go to fsbasement.com if you're new uh, that is our home in the internet that place called internet well you go there fs Basement, you can have the entire library of our past episodes Um, In video and in audio, Uh, we have educational tools. We have our mentoring program there. So I recommend to you and go and visit FSBaseman.com. And of course, to subscribe and follow us in all social medias. We're everywhere. I promise you, if you put Francois Baseman, we are in TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we are there. Just look for us and become part of our community. I want to thank WCNY PBS in Central New York for their partnership. It's thanks to that partnership that we can come to you every other week. And our newest member of this crazy partnership, meaning this crazy. Also, awesome an adventure called Francois Spaceman in Central New York Arts. It's thanks to these 2 nonprofit organizations that we can come to you and that we can continue growing and making this podcast better. So again, WCNY PBS in Central New York and Central New York Arts, thank you so much for your trust. Like I mentioned today, we are kicking season number six of Francois Baseman, and I couldn't be happier and prouder to have a fellow Venezuelan with us the director of the movie simon diego vicentini is in the basement and yes it's a fantastic guest to start this new season of course we're going to talk about the movie simon that is breaking records i've been nominated to the goya awards which is a very prestigious award in spain fingers crossed they can can actually win and of course we're going to be talking about his career and everything that have to do with filmmaking so thank you for tuning in let's start this new episode a new season of fran suarez baseman with the director of the movie simon diego vicente here we go Diego, I want to welcome you to my basement. How weird is that? You are in Colombia, Bogotá. I'm in my basement in New York. Uh, The magic of technology. Thank you for taking the time to be with us.
1: No, thank you for the invitation. No,
0: it's a pleasure. I I was looking forward to this conversation uh, for sure. For our listeners, you know, we always have this idea that a director is what... Also, Hollywood, have portrayal of a director, a guy who scream action, and in your own Fire. experience, right? In your own experience, what is the
1: job of a director? What is a director? Sure. So the director would be basically the creative filter for an entire project. So, all, basically, every decision goes through him creatively. Obviously, you have a team, and that's why you want to have a great team that they propose ideas, and you trust them, and you could do. It. But at the end. What kind of wardrobe is this person at the end? The last person to decide is the director, like if they're okay with it or not. So it's the creative filter to set the tone, set the vision for the project. And I mean, the role of the director comes from directing actors. So that's the origin of the of the role. It's the only person on set that really has anything to do with the performance of the actors talking to them. And and, you know, you are the one who decides what kind of like what what you're going to tell them. To guide the performance in any kind of way you want, but at the end of the day, it, it really encompasses the entire artistic vision of a project. So, from set design to wardrobe to the the performance to the location, that's all artistic decisions that you are ultimately the filter of those decisions. Which is a lot of work, a lot,
0: and <laughs> and and the other. But it, it's a lot of work, but it's such a, a fascinating process. And I think when you see the final result, it's just like it's such a magical process, right? It's a make believe or things that are not there, but you want people to believe that they are there. And I think that's my fascination with visual storytelling is is that magic. It's that idea that what you've seen has been created by a team of people to make you believe that that dragon is a dragon, right? And uh, that is fascinating to me. From all those roles, the writing, the, the, the editing, the directing, is any in particular that you like or you enjoy more than another one?
1: Uh, they're all kind of mixed to me because they're all part of like creating a thing and it's like they're all three are the most instrumental pieces of it. So it's like, I, I just feel that the, like I'm writing, thinking of being on set for when I direct it and when I'm directing on set, I'm thinking of how I'm going to edit it. So it's all like coming together and they all have their their charm. I think writing is the most difficult one and it's super solitary. You're there banging your head against the wall. Mm-hmm. Directing's absolutely fascinating. You know, you're it's, well, there's a lot of pre-production, but then on set, you're there with the actors. That's when the magic comes to life something happens on set. It's different. The performance is different, but it's better or it's, you know, and it rained, it wasn't supposed to rain, but then you make it work. And it's all these improvisations. And and there you, you kind of capture the lightning in a bottle and something happens. And, and, you know, and you're seeing the movie be created in front of you. Like, yeah, that's the one I'm going to use. But then the editing is like, also so much fun because it's like now nah, putting the pieces together reordering discovering again the movie because that was a different movie than the one you had initially in, initially thought it was going to be i don't know they're all have their awesome moments each that's scene. awesome
0: diego listen you are i call uh, my students uh masters of your own destiny and in my podcast i interview many many people behind the scenes i always say you know you're you're master of your destiny and i think you are a very good example of what it means to be a master of your own destiny i mean i'm doing what i love i'm going to work for it and i'm going to get there and of course simone is part of a good example of all this effort that you have put in, you know for many many years um, tell me a little bit how this simone came alive we know what Simone is we're going to talk about a little bit about the business behind the sense of distribution and things like that but how did you came with the idea of Simón? What, what brought you to that moment where you say, I need to write this and, and be sure that it's a film?
1: Sure. Well, I was doing a two-year master's program in, in LA studying film. So the thesis thing was just to make a short film. So I had to make one either way. It was 2017, so a particular tough year in Minnesota for protests. Um, and it hit me really hard. And I felt guilty for not being there, for not being part of the protest physically. So the short film became a way to, like, how can I contribute something to our fight for freedom uh, and like t- try to deal with that guilt so I, that's why i made the short and it carried through the movie you know it's like then i saw the impact the short had how people connected to it how important it was for us to tell the story so that's why i, I just kept going and then turned it into into a feature
0: and it was i mean it was a way for you to participate in a process that is so important for a lot of venezuelans including me uh uh but one thing is, I, okay, I know I need to do this thesis. I know I need to do a short film. I now I want to do something related to Venezuela. But the story of Simone and the story of what happened to these immigrants that now go into the United States to for an asylum, how how suddenly you realize that's where I want to go? Because, I mean, stories we can tell many. Yeah. But, but <laughs> when suddenly you realize, no, this is a story about one estu- a student
1: called Simone. Well, typically, and I like working and like reverse engineering my script. So usually it comes from limitations and whatever, and then you figure it out creatively. So, I mean, the short, and this applies to this feature too, like I'm going to shoot it in the U.S. Like I can't go shoot this in Venezuela. The first, because it was just a student project, I have to shoot it in L.A. The second one, because we might have gone to jail or something happened, you know, <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if we went to shoot in Venezuela. So, okay, I want to do something about Venezuela, but I have to shoot it elsewhere. So who's going to be the main character? Like it's somebody outside of Venezuela because I can't shoot an entire movie faking locations. Like, it just wasn't the um, an option for me. So it's got to be about somebody who's left Venezuela. Also, that's the perspective I can offer the most insight on, because that's what I've lived for 15 years. You know, I left when I was 15, so that's what I identify with the most. And maybe it's the one I can offer the most kind of perspective, rather than I don't think I can tell. Or, I mean, obviously you could and you do research, but I, I didn't think it would upon me to tell the story of the day-to-day in Venezuela, because I haven't lived that. Not just because I haven't lived it, we can't go shoot there. So that really just took that off the cards. So then you start to build around that. Okay, so it's about somebody of Venezuelan who's outside, and then like to me, it was just obvious. Like, who do I want the story to be about? It's to me, I just wanted to honor my the guys from my generation, the 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 young men and women who have been brave enough to risk their lives, show their faces, and, and go to the streets and face military tanks. Um, and gunfire for our freedom it's like if any this movie is going to be about anybody it's about them so that was always just pretty instinctual to me like i i want to make it about them and honor them their memory and and validate the effort they've made and those who who aren't even with us anymore so then you just start to build around that's so, okay so it's somebody obviously who had to leave so and then you also have certain specific like markers that you want to get through in terms of like denouncing to the international community what's going on so it's like i know i want to show tortures because that's crimes against humanity and it's the most universal thing that i think everybody can get behind you know it's not well this is left or right wing whatever Mm. it's like no, no, people are tortured here and there's lack of medicine and what and electricity like i think most people can get behind the idea that that's not okay it's not good so also to like be able to to generate this kind of empathy and not get Sidetrack with like di- political divisions or ideology. so that that gave me markers of, like I definitely want to show this, 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 this is the most important. Um, and with the limitations, you only have like ninety pages and obviously you want to tell twenty five years of Venezuelan history, but I okay, no, no, no. this is the most important and most succinct and also most visual. And you know it's not a documentary. I can't just be ninety Life. pages regurgitating information. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, let me tell you, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated because they, the movie have getting so much traction. I'm sure you are even you yourself are incredible surprised of what's going on. So how is your everyday in the sense that you wake up and realize, okay, I create something that people is loving it. And I hear actually, like I say, uh, award seasons are coming and I hear a lot of boss. Uh, which is so excited., uh, how do you feel about all these success that is coming to you and and
1: and the responsibility, of course, that needs me? I mean, it's it's there's like a beauty to it because like I the uh, obviously, I made this movie and I had to like pitch to investors and have to, you know plan for it to be successful. You don't want to make a movie thinking like yeah, nobody's going to like it. You're obviously making hope and I right. think people will like it. But there's like this beauty to kind of, seeing the connection between really writing something that's like this is real and it's authentic like it's really what I feel it's the how the pain I have for my country and everything that's happened you know it's like it's real it's not like what are people gonna like it's like this is what I felt and I felt I needed to say and and for for all of us and then that that's like fitting in in like appropriately with like yes it is connecting with the millions of us that have lived through this um and that's what's you know, I think being the success of the movie that people really are connecting to it emotionally, both Venezuelans who are like watching their own life in a movie or somebody they know and then also with the international community of like having their eyes open to like, okay, now I understand a bit more because now everybody knows a Venezuelan because we're you know, everywhere. so, yeah, there's like this I don't know, sense of beauty of like watching something that you know, had a really genuine and authentic creation point and then translating to the audience it's like ah it's it's a really beautiful thing to to watch those things come together because i'm sure it could happen and maybe you you create something very authentically but maybe it didn't quite get across your intention or something but i think here it is it is working like what the intention was what the feelings and and the thing i was trying to to get across and it's and it's getting through to the audience Mm,
0: mm. and 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 listen let's talk about the back end of of a movie in the sense that, you know, the podcast is an educational podcast. I'm going to use your example of Simone has has an example of of overcoming a writer and a director. How easy is to pitch a movie? How easy? No, I know it's not that easy. I just want to, to hear a little bit. How was the process of pitching the movie to who you pitch Distribution, for example, how it works that aspect, because I know it's a lot, well, like you say, Venezuelans, we are now everywhere. Uh, I'm in New York, the movie, unfortunately, I have not had the chance to see it. I have seen the trailers, I've read a lot about you and the movie, uh, and I'm very anxious to when it's going to come to New York, uh, when it's going to come to stream, how all that behind the scene business aspect,
1: are you yeah. learning through the process? It's something oh, yeah. completely new? Oh, yeah. There's like an entire <laughs> master's program in indie filmmaking because, yeah, I, I get to like hold the hand of the project through every step of the way from coming up with the idea to now like sending out the DCPs to the theaters to then play it and like with a, with a formatting and, and everything. Um, and there's probably two really big bottlenecks where movies die or they don't happen. One is just the financing, like how many movies never get made because you don't find the money. And then probably a lot die in distribution or two because like to who where okay, you made the movie and then like, where is it going to go? Who's gonna see it? and how do you market to those people? and how do you get so those are like the two, I think, major roadblocks to any indie filmmaker or any film in general. So the first one to, yeah, like how do you get the money um to make it? So I'm very. And like you said, I mean, I think it falls in line with what you're saying about like masters of your destiny. Or I am very much of that. Like I just want, like I know I want to make a movie. So it's like, what are the, what is the most efficient path to making it? So I, you know, I know I wanted to, what I wanted to write, but when I'm writing, I write as a producer. I'm reverse engineering the budget. I'm writing locations that I know are doable. I'm not writing a helicopter in the Himalayas exploding because it's like I, that's going to need millions of dollars. If it's my first movie, who's going to give me a million dollars to like make a movie? So okay, no, no, no. How do I? really keep this as low budget um as possible and at one point i'm like let me just i imagine a number it's like i think this is a a budget that i can get that would be if i, if I spend a year making phone calls finding investor family and the whatever i think i could get to this number and then basically i had to make one big change to the script like this big protest scene which is like oh we're we'll gonna shoot it in columbia together i'll make it in slow motion and with a lot of smoke and we hide everybody so we don't need that many extras making adjustments like that uh, on the script that are going to make it manageable to just make it a doable number that a number that you think I can raise this amount of money, which for somebody might be, I know I can raise $25,000 between friends and family, like make a movie for $25,000. No, no, no. I can raise $200,000 with make that movie. It's better than no, no movie. I mean, obviously you have to measure. It's like, are you ready for it? Like, do or do you wait so you can get a bigger budget, depending on what the story is, obviously. So I, I did that basically. It was like, which was also a year spent of like what you can imagine, like, First, you got like friends and family. Like, do you know any anyone who's a producer in movies? Do you know any producer? No, no. Okay, then somebody knows somebody that knows somebody. You get on the call with them. Okay, no, I know this guy who invested one time in a project. And it's always no, 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 no. But people reference you to another person, to another person. And then you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And meanwhile, I was always refining the script. So it was good. Actually, if I would have found the money day one, it would have been a much worse movie because like it would have been the fourth version of the script. But it was the 18th version of the script, which we made so but at the end it was like it was during covid we were in lockdown like now there's really not we're not going to find an investor but then it was in my dms so check your dms because i in my request on instagram like a producer contacted me he had heard of the short just wanted to see what i'm up to and i had like this and also to be ready i had the script i had right. the experience with the short like i was ready to like look this is the script this is how i plan to do it i have everything it's like okay then then more conversations obviously so you know, it's it's like you got to put yourself out there, move, hustle, but also be ready. Like, then somebody's like, "Yeah, I have the money." It's like, "Where's the script?" Oh, I haven't finished it yet. Then it's like, "Right, it's like, right. you got to be ready." And then, and then, yeah, in the post uh, distribution now, it's been learning each day because it's been a surprise. This what's happened. We was like, "Okay, we, we're going to be in movie theaters in Venezuela because there's easier access to Venezuela, and the movies in Venezuela." And that's as far as we thought, and then we're like, "Okay, we'll see what happens after." But now we're, you know, in theaters in like ten countries and. Going more, but because of what's happened and 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 we've been able to actually skip distribution in a way we're not, we don't have a distributor. That's us talking directly with the exhibitors, which are the movie theaters. So, but now we've learned how to negotiate with them, how to talk with them. And then when one movie theater it's done successfully, then they notify each other or they become aware. Now we're getting calls from other movies like Cinepolis or cinemark It's like, hey, we heard this movie's like doing well in Chile. We want it in Argentina. So it's just like blown over. And uh you know, it's like I think literally like an indie filmmaker dream that you know you got calls from a movie theater that they want the movie so it's really been incredible and and dealing with every part of the process like building the dcps putting it in shipping it because then we learned we had in a link the links fail in latin America. the internet slow so okay no no now we have to send everything physical and then uh, it's, yeah
0: you know, i mean I, I mean i hear you and i'm so in love with with what you're doing because it's like you have to believe so much in what you are producing and what you been able, you know, we take that word belief, so so in a in a cheesy, you know, believe, you know, blah blah. But but you really are. Be, it, it's no way that you would put the effort and the time and the love and the care if you right from the get go didn't believe you have something in your hand that was very special.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there's many components to it. I mean, it, like in many not because there's like. There's the emotional aspect of my commitment to the country to, I want to fight for Venezuela. I want to do whatever I can to help push towards change. So the movie is one way of that. Then you have yourself as a career, as a filmmaker. Like if the movie does well, if like things happen for the movie, then you're going to get your opportunity for the next one. And also the business side of it. Like I see them both the same, like, and I studied finance too in college. So like, I've always been very attentive to to numbers and like, not just like, I'm, I want to make my movie. And that like, money is not a thing. Like, no, I, When I pitched to investors, I had a specific plan and how we're going to recoup the money, the schedule for it, why things cost what they did. And we've actually still been following it exactly like to the month, four years later, what we've been doing. Um, So having a lot of clarity of like what needs to be done to to help even on the business side for it to be successful, because if the business goes well, I think it's going to be much easier to pitch for my second movie. It's like, this is the and these are the numbers and i made this amount of money like easy i just put myself in the place of the investor like oh your movie's fantastic but it tanked like nobody it, it, who's no. gonna put it in? so it's really like having the alignment of what it is you really want so it's like it's not even just the movie which has so much weight in terms of like what i want to do for venezuela but then your career and the bit like it's all it's just united like if it the movie does well this helps venezuela it helps my <laughs> guilty conscience for not being there <laughs> and it helps the business and it helps. um. Yeah, the 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 filmmaking, your, right? Your career, and
0: and let's talk about Simone as a character. Let let's. Uh, it's, it's, I always say that it's two two. Well, it's character and characterization, right? So, if I ask you who is Simone, you can define. You know, he's a student. The question is more deep, right? It's
1: more philosophical. Who is Simone? Yeah, Simone. When I think of him, I think of fire because Simone is. Simone is is uh well because he's like a natural leader who you know not reluctantly but just can't help himself to has such an anchoring with with justice uh that it's like beyond him and he can't like see injustice so i, th- I think he's one of those just special people that just can't stand down just, ha- just has to do something about whatever circumstance he's put in you know he's not a politician he's just needs to do something to to protect the things he loves and and can't stand for for injustice so then all the the situations are created and everything that happens to him but yeah that's how that's how i see him and i think he's that and and in a broader sense for the movie he really represents many 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 venezuelans because not only is he that special guy who's like the first one in line to fight when we meet him in the movie in the present day he's in miami and he kind of wants to forget about venezuela we don't know why we don't know what happened to him but it's like what happened to this dude who was like the guy who's willing to die for the country. And now he's like, I don't even want to talk about it. I want to start a new life. And I think that's been all, all a lot of us or maybe probably most of us that at some point we're like, I, it's too much. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Cause it's too painful to think of all that we've lost. I okay. in
0: the process of filming Simone, I always say that, you know, uh, I'm sure you as a director have those moments where we're really, there is an emotional connection with the process and the story. Is there any scene, any moment
1: in specific? Yes, there are. Okay, tell me a little more about that scene and why it was so special. Okay, there's a... When you watch the movie, you'll know what scene it is, so I have to say there's a scene. It's a very simple scene. Simon and Chucho, his best friend, are in, like, a little room. It's a very simple scene. It's just the two of them. Um... And it was a very small room, so there's only me, the camera operator, who's the DP, and the sound operator, the boom operator. Um, So just five of us, and the rest of the crew is outside, so there's like 45 people outside waiting. And, you know, we go through the scene, but it's like an emotional scene, and Simone has to, like, really, you know, do this very emotional performance. We did it once, twice, three, four, five, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. But it was the 14th time, the one that's in the movie, and that one, Christian's performance was incredible, but I'm, like leaning you know so so because the camera moves so so that mm-hmm. i wouldn't be so i'm like looking down but he gets into the scene and then i just start weeping that i can't see the monitor anymore just because it's like the dp is like he's like i couldn't see it i didn't know what i was just trying to aim at him because i couldn't see through them either and usually when i you know you say cut immediately they come in and reset a light or makeup or whatever after this take like nobody had to say anything i said cut barely that and like there was a quiet nobody came in the room then slowly, they kind of opened the door. Christian was like crying in a corner. I was like really crying. They brought in like a Kleenex. And then we are like, we need to step outside to grab some air. And when I go outside, I see the 45 people all crying, like everybody in oh. the corner. Like right, We had to actually stop production for like 20 minutes. Like, okay, everybody go outside. So people went to the bathroom to like keep crying in a stall. And we like took a break from filming because that one was like, that one destroyed all of us so and that was one that was the most special moment to me in the because it was also day 18 out of 30 so it was like a little past halfway so that was when you're also like okay we have a movie if we just had this connection with the reality that we're fabricating that we know it's like we just did it 14 times I wrote that thing and it's like and it's hitting us like this okay I think we can mess up somewhere else but this was the one we could have messed up and now we we have it we have the shot so uh that was a really like cathartic too
0: and Diego, a lot of people were surprised the fact that you were able to actually show the movie in Venezuela. How was that process? And how suddenly, because, I mean, yeah, like people was like, oh, how how they
1: give them the permission to do this? Yeah, so the general expectation, everybody thought it was going to be censored, including us. So, which also helped because when I wrote it, I'm like, I'm going to assume this is not going to play in theaters in Venezuela. So I'm going to write whatever I want. I didn't have to like, let me maneuver it in a mm-hmm. way. Mm -hmm. i really wrote what i wanted um but we were still going to do the processes to like so they would have to censor us we weren't going to like not even try like okay we want to submit it to get a distribution in venezuela to play it in theaters like every venezuelan movie has the right to at least be two weeks in theaters so the first thing was getting like a certificate that it's a venezuelan movie which has to go through el senac which is a governmental Mm -hmm. agency so i mean we filled all the requirements it's a it's about venezuela made by venezuelans director venezuela like uh and they approved that they gave us the certificate, even though they asked for some random ass things that they like, but whatever. And we had, we had all of them. And, but in the certificate, there was like a clause uh, that said, notwithstanding, we deemed that the content of this movie might be in violation of the law against hatred and peaceful cohabitation, which is 10 to 20 years in jail. Um, but it was like a little warning or something. And uh, and then, but we had our distributor and we had plans to release then I went to Venezuela for the first time in thirteen years to the festival, but that was a whole. That's a whole nother story. And then two days before the release in theaters, there was like a news came out that somebody had a lawyer had made a a claim uh, that we were inciting against violence, uh, inciting uh, yeah. mm. something. But nothing came. We never received a legal anything. So you know, I was able to to release. And there's a lot of like speculation about why. My interpretation is that they basically made a bet that this movie wasn't going to do much. One, if you just look at the last two years, the average attendance for Venezuelan movies was 5,000 people in the entire country. So if you just look at the historical average, like, Oh, what, or it it does really well. 7,000 people see it, 8,000, 10,000. Like it's worse for them to just like censor it off the bat. Now that's press clearly a dictatorship, no freedom of expression. That just gives us so much more fuel. Like this is why we made the movie and international press and all that stuff. Um, so I think, and they've learned, you know, they censored other movies in the past and gave them more press. So I think to me, their bet was like, don't even talk about it, don't don't mention it. Because then when we won the festival, the Venezuelan Film Festival, which is the biggest one in the country, El Senac didn't even mention the movie. There's no mention of it anywhere. They would post about other movies on their Instagram, congratulating everybody. We won the top prize, no mention. And then when we got selected for the Goyas, no mention. So it's been clear that there's a pattern of behavior not mm-hmm. mm-hmm. wanting to mention it. Um and then, and then, yeah, I think their bet was, like, nobody would see it, especially post-pandemic, like, who goes to the movie theater and with the economy collapse. But the surprise was probably that if the average was 5,000, we're right now at 113,000 people that have gone to see it in Venezuela.
0: Well, let me tell you, this has been an awesome conversation. I am so proud of what you have been able to accomplish. And I, like I say, I'm no, I'm uh, not hago uh, brujería, but... I can see a, a very bright future ahead of you. is already there, and I think uh, as a Venezuelan, we we thank you for for thinking about making Simone and, and and I cannot wait.
1: Of course, no, thank you, and I'll let you know when when we have news about New York.
0: No, thank you, and again, before we go, I want to thank WCNY PBS in Central New York, and I want to thank Central New York Art for the partnership. This has been an amazing conversation conversation that can come only with the support of these uh two amazing uh partners and i want to sense of course you the audience for tuning in like you do and of course my production team thank you everybody love you keep safe and we will see you in two weeks